Glory to God. Good to see you here today. For those of you that are on Facebook Live, <laughs> we have got some bright lights coming out here. <laughs> so I may have to get my sunglasses or gradient lenses or something like that. To, to, but uh, let us know how that looks. If it's uh, helpful, we did these um, testing them out, see if they work before we make the plunge into doing something with lighting. It won't be the setup we have back there for all you folks that are here and can see that. It will be something different. We are in Hebrews chapter 5 today. And for the second time in a row, I told you I would put something up here this morning to give you an idea of what it was we were getting into. But uh, I did not have it ready by this morning. And uh, I'll tell you what, Hebrews. (laughs) Whoever thinks Paul wrote this, (laughs) this is not Paul's writing. This is not Paul's thinking. This is not Paul's uh, way of doing things. I can understand Paul a whole lot better than I can understand this one. And so I'm, I'm meditating on this thing, and I've got all the different pieces together, but I'm having a hard time putting it all together. Why, why are we here tonight looking at Hebrews chapter 5? And so finally I got there and threw that on up there in the, on the Internet. It's kind of late. I think it was like an hour, an hour and a half before the server or something like that. It wasn't too long. Anybody see it? Appreciate both of you. <laughs> Oh my. All right. These first couple of uh, verses we're going to kind of run through because he's just kind of introducing where it is that he is going. And we are going to hear the mention of Melchizedek, which we will get into in much greater detail in chapter 7. Not so much for it right now, but it suits the purposes for what he's doing here. Verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, gifts are those things that were done by the food. When they came and they brought the, uh, the different food offerings, they were considered to be gifts. Sacrifices were, were other things. That's, that's the, the two things that are involved there. And because we're not of that mentality, we, we read that. We're not quite sure what we mean by gifts and sacrifices. So when it's talking about one of the food things they would bring and the priest would keep part of that, that would be the gifts. We're talking about the sacrifices that are made unto God. That's the uh, sacrifices that are there. We can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people. <clears throat> because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sin. This is part of the job of the high priest, is to offer the sacrifices for the sins of the people. And so when Jesus takes over that ministry of high priest, this is the thing that he would be doing. And no man takes his honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So Aaron didn't stand up and say, I'm going to be the high priest. God said he's going to be the high priest. It was God's pick. And God did the same thing here with with Jesus. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, that's a quote from Psalms. And you, would, you look at this and you, we see all the things that are built up around the Levitical priesthood. But Jesus Christ is not going to be a continuation of the Levitical priesthood. He is going to be a continuation of the lineage of David as far as the kingship is concerned. That was important to go back to David. But as far as the priesthood is concerned, it is not going back to Aaron. Aaron is being completely, that whole priesthood is being blocked out. This one is going according to the order of Melchizedek, for which we have very little written about in the Word of God. But he's going to give us a little bit more teaching. And uh, 
as we get to the end of this, just a little a side note here, as we get to the end of this, he's going to say, I got a whole lot to teach you on Melchizedek, and uh, I can't teach it because you guys are just in the wrong spot. Basically, is what he's saying about them. Now, think back on the writings of Paul. How much does Paul talk about Melchizedek? How can the writer of Hebrews feel so passionately about the, the topic of Melchizedek that he tells the, author, all, the, the, the people, because of your immaturity, I can't get into in detail, then spends the entire chapter 7 get into some of the things with Melchizedek. If that was truly Paul writing this book and he had this vast wealth of knowledge on Melchizedek and it burned on the inside of him to get it out to people who couldn't handle it, don't you think it would show up somewhere maybe in the book of Ephesians, to a group of churches that he saw as mature? How is it that Paul, in all his writings, ignores it? If it burned in his passion this much. That's one, one of the reasons I, I say that Paul did not write this book, among many. <laughs> every time I listen to people, I try and read some other people where they have some things on Hebrews, and they, they keep coming up to Paul in the book. It's like, you guys, come on. You don't know that for sure, and you talk about it like you do. But Jesus is the high priest. He's, uh, he didn't take the appointment. God gave it to him. It says there that he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. I put in your outline there the word through, because that's a better translation of it. Through the things that he suffered, he learned obedience. <clears throat> now, we've talked about that in times past. I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on that, because we're trying to look at this overall view here. If you have questions on that, let me know. We probably aren't going to finish with chapter 5. Maybe we finish, maybe not. But if you have questions on that, let me know. We'll get into it more. But the Levitical priesthood is earthly and limited by death. What happens here is that Aaron would take the, the, the priesthood. <clears throat> and then when Aaron died, who, who took over? His son. <clears throat> and that continued on for quite a while until we saw that a, a few times the, the lineage changed. Eli was one of the ones... He was rejected as high priest. And so his sons were killed and the lineage went over to another after, after some time. And so another was, was taken. But that's, that was a limitation of the Levitical priesthood. The new priesthood is heavenly, not earthly, and universal for all believers. It's not just of the Jews. Now the priesthood of the, the Levites was ineffective to bring to perfection. If the priesthood of the Levites could bring people to perfection, then we would have seen perfect people. But we didn't see perfect people from that. The law was ineffective. The law couldn't bring people to perfection. All it could do was pinpoint, you know, thou shalt not, and well, I did. That's all it could do. Thou shalt not do this, but I did it. But it didn't help me avoid doing it. It just... Let me know that, you know, <laughs> it's like that commercial, that Geico commercial. I like Geico commercials. I think all commercials ought to be Geico commercials. They're just some of the most inventive ones. I'm not buying Geico insurance. They're not going to pull me over to buy Geico insurance, but I love watching their commercials. And that one, you know, the bank, you've got the, the guard in the bank, and he's, uh, <laughs> he's simply saying, I'm just a security monitor. <laughs> I just alert you that there is a problem. I don't take care of it. <laughs> There's a problem. <laughs> That's just, that's just one of my favorite ones right there. I, I so enjoyed that. But that's what the law is. The law can basically just monitor and let you know there's a problem. There's a problem. But it's not there to fix it. 
It wasn't intended to fix it. The whole idea of the law was to come in and show people that you don't quite measure up and you need a Savior. And glory to God, He provided one. So the priesthood was ineffective. The law was ineffective. And the sacrifice was ineffective. Because you had to keep bringing the sacrifices on a yearly basis and some even more often than that. So Jesus Christ comes along and His sacrifice is eternal. One time, that's it. And His priesthood is going to be superior to that of Aaron and the Levites. And because of this, we're not going to duplicate. We're not going to continue on the Levitical priesthood. We are going to go beyond that. We're going to go back to Melchizedek. And we'll, we'll talk about why when we get over to chapter 7. He's just kind of introducing in that, that Jesus Christ was not after the order of Aaron. He's after the order of Melchizedek. It's a cool name, isn't it? We don't, fi- we don't find any little Melchizedeks running around, though. What would you call them for short? Mel? <laughs> so the high priest got to come from a different line. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11 Jumping ahead over to our uh, chapter on this. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there of another priest? Or that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron. So he just spells it right out there in that thing. This is why Jesus had to go to a different order because if that order had brought that kind of perfection... Then we just continue it. But it didn't. Now, I want you to take a look at this phrase here. We're going to get into a little bit. I didn't put this in your outline. It is in mine. It's, um, it's just one of those things. It's not real important. But it might help you understand just a little bit more. So just sit and listen. You don't really have to write all this stuff down. The, uh, the, the statement here, Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, that phrase, if perfection is one of the if statements in the Greek. In the Greek language, it is a little bit different than what we have. And it's, it's um, put in there as, as different conditional uh, classes. I put closes. Classes. Excuse me for that. Four different conditional classes. And each one moves further away from reality the, the further you get. So here's the first class. The first class is if and it's true which would mean more if it is true. We're saying if, but it is true. So if we're going to say, if it's cold today and we know it's going to be, right? If we have the weather report and the weather report tells us the high for today is 23 degrees. How many for most people that's cold? Brutal. <laughs> All right. So if we say, if it's cold today, then do... It's, it's, what we're saying is, if, and it's true, we would translate this more like since. Since it's cold today, put on your winter coat. Be more like that. It's, in the Greek, it would be put phrased as an if, but in our uh, vernacular, we would put it in as a since. So that's the first class of this. <laughs> Here's the second one. Here's the second one. And this is what this one here is in Hebrews chapter 7. If, and it's not true. So the first thing is, if, and it's true. There's no question about it. It's true. Here's the second one. If, and there's no question about it. It's not true. 
on the first conditional phrase, uh, one of the places we see this is, if you are raised with Christ, that's the first conditional or first class one right there. Uh, if, since you are the Son of God, when the devil came up to Jesus trying to tempt him, if you are the Son of God, turn these rocks into bread. If you are, if you are the Son of God, and it's true, you are the Son of God. That's the first, first class. Second class here, uh, Satan's temptation again. If you, if you will bow down and worship me, if you will, but I know you won't. If you will, but I know you won't. This is an if statement, but it's if you will, but I know it's not going to happen. I know it's not true. That's the second class of one. Here's the third class of one. And here in Hebrews chapter 7, this is the, uh, this is the second one. If, but it's not true. So, therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, and it's not. That's the second condition, second class of this thing. Here's the third one, third class of it. If, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Here's a, here's a verse for that. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, there's an if there. The if depends on whether you do it. So if I do it, then it's true. If I don't, then it's not. So that's the third class. Here's the fourth one. If I wish it were true, but I know it's not. Here's a, here's a verse for that. If you will suffer for righteousness sake. I wish it were true, <laughs> but, but I know it's not true. So those are the four classes of, of those things that are, are there. But see, what is of the flesh can't bring perfection. And the law is not going to bring us to a place of perfection. So verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was, <clears throat> though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, what he does here in these verses, we're not getting into any kind of depth because he's running through what he's going to spend the next few chapters on. But he just kind of ran through it all here. Now, look over at verse, verse 11. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now, that word become is well translated. You have become. They were not originally dull of hearing. But they had become dull of hearing. Now, of course, when we're not saved, we're dull of hearing. But they had gotten saved and they gotten to a point where they were sharp on these things, but then became dull. Of whom we have much to say. Speaking about Melchizedek. He says, I got much to say about Melchizedek. But it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. You're not sharp on this stuff. You're not picking it up real quick. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. 
So they became dull of hearing. They, they aren't picking up on these things that they should. People, I put this in your outline for you. People who have become dull of hearing tend to blame, the, first off, the teacher. They blame the person or their skill level as far as teaching. Well, I'm not getting it because they're no good. I'm not getting it because, well, they're not called. Or the topic. Well, that's just not a topic. That's not where I am at spiritually right now. Now, I'm just not all that interested in, in that particular thing. That's not real, real useful for me. They blame the topic. Here's the other one, truth. They see the truth as false. They see what is true as false. Yeah, we'll get into that here in a minute. We'll get into it. Thank you. But people have become dull of hearing. They'll blame these other things. They won't see themselves as becoming dull. They won't see themselves as being a problem in this thing. No, it's everybody else. Uh, it's not a topic I need. That's not, a, that's, that's not truth. I don't see that as truth. And we've become dull. We're not pulling these things in. He says you should. He's kind of upset with them. You should be. You were in a spot. You were moving into a place, but you became dull of hearing. So I can't talk to you about these things. Don't you get the impression that the author feels like they would benefit from it? But he can't do it to the degree that he wants. Now, I don't know about you in this one, but when I read this, and I know he gets into it some more in 7, but if he is feeling like he can't pour out everything that he wants to, where else have we taught about Melchizedek? This is really it, isn't it? So because these people were not ready to hear the deep things about Melchizedek, they aren't written in the book. And we don't have them. Wow. That makes me sad. See, I'm looking forward to Melchizedek. For, I told you before, Hebrews for me. <laughs> it's a little more, more of a struggle than the rest of it. Melchizedek? Nope. No problem. I love the stuff on Melchizedek. This, is, this will be fun. But we got a little bit of time to get there. So I put this in your outline for you. When Christians expect others to do what they should do for themselves, they have become dull in the beginning, they have come dull in here. But I'm giving you a couple of topics in here. Just be, we're thinking about the one he's talking about. But you can become dull in prayer. You can become dull in the, your authority. You can become dull in works. You can become dull in these areas. And when you become dull, you're not as effective. You're not doing what you need to be doing. When Christians expect others to do what they should do for themselves, they have become dull. And this is what we, we Christians do a lot of times. We're out there and we're expecting other people to do some things that we need to be taken up. We're not going to get into it in this, this one, but we've gotten into it before. When Paul talks about bearing the burdens of others, in the same passage, he talks about bearing the burdens of others and each one bearing their own burdens. 
And it seems like it contradicts itself. But as we taught you before on this, and as I've, I have been taught those things, the everyday burdens you are to bear yourself. The extraordinary special ones, people come together and bear them. You know, if a hurricane came and hit Florida or Texas, people from all over the country pitch in. We throw some money out there and contribute to causes to try and help those people out because they came in with something that was unbearable. But there isn't the same call because people aren't paying their rent. That's not the same call. That's a daily burden that we need to, to figure out how to pick up. But when something extraordinary comes in, then yeah, we... People want to step up and, and help that out. So you see, there's some things that we need to be doing on our own in the area of prayer. And some Christians keep going out and finding other people. Will you pray with me on this? And it sounds good. Well, I'm just asking for other people to pray. That's one of the reasons why we're in the Sunday morning series that we're on. To help us out with that. Here's the other one. Whenever we become dull in something, we will continue to operate at a much lower level than it is expected of or available to us. Whenever we become dull in something, whether it be dull in hearing, dull in prayer, dull in our authority, works and hearing affects all those things because if I'm not hearing right, my prayers aren't going right, my walking in authority isn't going right, my works aren't going right. But we will continue to operate at a much lower level than is, and get this, than is expected of us. There's a level that God expects us to operate in. And we're going to operate at a lower level than we should. Because we are dull. We're going to operate at a lower level than is available to us. I just... Think of it this way. When your kids are growing up and you have a 10th grader acting like a 2nd grader, how patient are you? Hmm, not patient at all. They are operating at a lower level than you expect. And the things you would do for a 2nd grader, you're not doing for a 10th grader. They need to do some of those things themselves. And you're certainly not doing it for a senior in high school. They're getting ready to go out to college. They need to start doing things on their own. What do you mean you need me to come cut your sandwich? Cut the crust off your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Cut your own crust off if you want to cut off. But you know, when they're, when they're little, you know, my granddaughter came up to me and she doesn't like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but if she did eat them, and she'd say, Pop up, would you cut off the crust? You know what I'd do? Go out there, get myself a knife, cut off every single bit of that crust. Make sure it's gone. Make sure it passes inspection. Does that look good? Yeah, that looks good. And we, I'd be happy and she'd be happy. But, you know, she gets to be a senior in high school and she comes over to me and, and asks that, much as I love that little girl. <laughs> I'm going to say, I think it's time you'd be cutting your own crust off. Because if you don't, you're not preparing them for the future. So I put this in your outline here for you too. This is likely because we are under the wrong high priest. We're under the wrong high priest. I'll get to the rest of that here in a minute. You see, Jesus Christ is of the order of Melchizedek. 
not of the order of Aaron. And a lot of Christians like to live their life under the order of the priesthood of Aaron. They want to set up, do this, don't do that. They want a list of rules and regulations. Tell me what I need to do to be spiritual. They want a high priest that they can come to, and they, they simply say, well, I don't know. Should I buy a red car? Should I buy a blue car? Oh, God, I'm going through this. Can you help me out with this? They're always just asking for help. They're never putting to work the things that God has given them to, to do. See, we're under the wrong order. In the Under the Aaron order, if you wanted to make a sacrifice, what did you do? You had to come to the high priest. It was not something that you could do. There were a lot of things under the old order that, that you just couldn't do yourself. But under the new order, we're not a high priest, but we are, we are priests, which means there are certain duties that we can do ourselves because we're priests. But we're not walking like that. We're still walking like the Israelites under the high priest and the Levitical priesthood. And so, well, if I don't need a high priest for this, I need a regular priest and he'll be the one to go through and, and do this. And some people still live their lives Old Testament in the New Testament. They expect their pastor to do all these different things for them. Well, I'm sick. You need to come over and pray for me. Well, I'm lonely. Well, I'm... And list all these things. And that's the wrong minute. We're under the wrong high priest. Because Jesus Christ is not of the order of Aaron. He's not under the Levitical order. He's under the Melchizedek order. We're still holding that out for a little bit longer here. We've got another chapter in between 5 and 7. So I put this in your outline this way. This is likely because we are under the wrong high priest or are not striving. Luke thirteen twenty four. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. Doesn't it say that? That's Jesus teaching. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Hmm. Colossians one twenty nine. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Hebrews 12, 4. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin. There's some effort that needs to go on. Some Christians feel like, well, I don't, I don't need to do anything. I don't want to put any effort into this. What do you mean effort? God should do this. And God should stop this. And, you know, if God's God, there shouldn't be any, anybody hungry in the world. And there shouldn't be anybody poor in the world. There ought to be no sickness and disease from anybody. There shouldn't be no storms. No calamity should come upon anyone. This is the idea that we have. Some people. What do you mean i got to put effort into this? You know, you, you look at your, turn on the TV for those who like to watch sports, basketball, baseball, stuff like that. Um, people like to see effort. People who are watching, they like to see effort. And when people come up short on the effort, we're not too happy. We expect that there ought to be some effort on there. He says, you ought to be teachers, but instead you are students. Or you need to be taught. 
But it's kind of interesting the way that he, he puts this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need, need, need. Not they desire it. He says they need it. I say when you first get born, born in this earth, you, you need milk. That's how you grow. But after you start going, you know, solid food begins to come into play. Then we're getting solid food and milk. And then pretty soon we have the day of weaning. And the milk is gone. And the solid food takes over. And growth begins to occur faster. Growth happens faster when you're just not on milk. Babies that just, do, just drink milk, they don't gain as much weight. But you start putting some of that cereal in there. That changes some things. They start growing a little bit faster with, with that. You put some other food in there and then, um, you know, you got that baby food. We still reminisce over, over uh, little Lissy. Because, um, boy, what a, what a great experience we had with baby food with her. And we all remember exactly where we were. We were down there this year, down to the shore, and we were in the same restaurant. I can tell you where, where it is. We can tell you the table we sat at. And this is her first experience with baby food. And we, uh, it was crushed carrots or some kind of a thing like that. It was, I know it was orange. And so, um, first time you ever had them. And so they, they gave her these things and they came right back at And the face, the look on her face, what did you just do? <laughs> she wasn't used to that. That's, she was used to cereal. She was used to more uh, adult things, not, um, not crushed carrots or peas or whatever it was that we were trying to to do in there that didn't work out so well so she kind of just bypassed the whole baby food episode and kind of uh i don't remember chenzo doing a whole lot with it either we'll see what happens with with him as time goes on but it says he is you need you need you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk. That means, folks, they regressed. They went backwards. They were moving along and they had taken some solid food. But now, because they came, became dull of hearing, they had actually re- regressed. Do you know that's possible? To go backwards? You can advance, advance, advance in the things of the Spirit and then become dull of hearing, not give the attention to it, and begin to fall back. And now he says, you need it. I have to give you milk because you need it. But you shouldn't be, be in there. Now, Paul wrote similar things over there to the Corinthians. He expected them to have grown, and they're still in there drinking the milk. They hadn't gone back past that. They needed to have, to have done that. He said, by now I would have thought you would have been on the meat. Here you are still in the area of milk. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk, not solid food. See, we're all called to be teachers. We should be teaching the things we've come to learn to the people we we run across. We ought to be doing those, those kind of things. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. 
for he is a babe. Everyone who partakes only of milk calls them unskilled. Unskilled. Hmm. Now think of the, the babies that are on milk. They're unskilled in a lot of areas, aren't they? How are they at driving cars? Unskilled. How are they at running? Unskilled. How are they at rock climbing? Unskilled. How about getting a job? Unskilled. Unskilled. Unskilled on a whole lot. You can list so many things that they are unskilled at. That what are they skilled at? <laughs> Crying? Making a mess? <laughs> There's not a whole lot of skill that these guys have because they're on milk. So because they're on milk, we don't expect their skill level to be at a certain place for, for all this stuff. And it isn't there. He says you've got to get to a place where you're off the milk and onto something else because he who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Full age. You're grown up. You got big. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to grow up. We're supposed to get big. That's who it belongs to. How many of you are so glad that you're not on just milk anymore? That you can go out to the steak restaurant and order yourself a nice ribeye or whatever cut you like. Or go out to the Mexican restaurant and order enchiladas with guacamole and chips. Mmm. Reminds me, I need me some guacamole. Just not getting enough. But you have all these other tastes that you can do. Some of you like Chinese food, Japanese, Thai, Mediterranean. I say no to all of that. Just stay away. But, but you have food that you like. And milk is okay, but it's just sort of a supplement, just sort of a side thing. Unless, of course, it's chocolate milk. It's a different thing. But we're, aren't we glad? Aren't we glad that we, we sit down at the restaurant that we can order anything we want on the menu? It doesn't just have to be milk, soft foods, we can order some foods with some taste, some spice, some character. We can go down to the Brazilian steakhouse and get all the meat that we want. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, solid food's not for everyone. But don't you want to be one of the ones that it's for? And the goal is that everyone should get to the place where solid food is on the diet. This is what we want to 
we want to get to. We want to get to that spot where there's some solid food. It's not just the, the liquid stuff. Those who by reason of use, I put in parentheses in your outline there, or practice or habit. <clears throat> now, the stuff I have access to has this defined in a very nice way. The word exis, a thoroughly established habit or skill achieved through repetition. Doesn't that give you a little bit more of a handle on this than what it was in the New King James? By reason of use? No, no. A thoroughly established habit or skill achieved through repetition. That'd be like the basketball player at the foul line. And he can shoot 95% of his foul shots go through the hoop. Why is he? Why does that happen? Because he sits at the foul line and he practices and he practices and he practices and he practices and he just keeps throwing them up there. A hundred, two hundred, three hundred. Just practicing, practicing the same motion, going through the same notion because he knows there's coming a day when he's going to be tested and so he keeps putting them up, putting them up, putting them up, putting them up. So you take what's in the Word of God. And you get the meat. And then you put it to use. And you practice it over and over and over and over. And the Word of God is not just for a simple victory here, a simple victory there. It is there. I'm, I'm constantly practicing it. What the Word of God has taught me about anger what the Word of God has taught me about patience, what the Word of God has taught me about love. When I, run, when I find those difficult people, I'm practicing. I'm through the use. I'm developing a habit. Just like the foul shooter, I'm developing a habit. Whenever these people come over and they're difficult and it's putting a test on me, I'm developing a habit through the use, of the, the constant use. I am getting thoroughly, thoroughly used to walking in patience, thoroughly used to walking in love. Getting to the point where people, no matter who they are, coming across my path, don't get me out of the walk of love. I stay in there. I stay in a place where I believe the best in other people. All the time. It's a practice. Every time it comes up, I believe the best in people. Every time it comes up, I don't walk in anger. Every time it comes up, I walk in patience. Every time it comes up, I walk in love. And because I continue to practice, because I continue to keep going in this way, then because of the use of it, I'm getting more and more skilled about the Word of God. More and more skilled. And the more skilled I get in this, the more I can understand. And the more meat can come my way. Because I, I stand in there and I keep going. And uh, all right, I've been to the foul line how many times? I'm going to the foul line again. I'm going to practice some more. I'm going to shoot some more. I'm going to do some more. Here comes brother so-and-so. Here comes sister so-and-so. Oh, they're here. They always test my patience. Glory to God. I'm practicing. I'm practicing. James says, count it all joy. See, I can count it all joy. This is good because I'm practicing. I'm practicing. Here I am. Coach says, shoot some more foul shots. We get smiles. All right. 
I get to practice. I get to do that. And we keep practicing. We keep doing it. We keep going over because I know that by the constant use, thoroughly getting this habit into me, that more and more of that meat of the Word is coming to me. And I'm going to understand even more of it because I keep walking in this. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Milk belongs to who? Babes. Solid food to those who are of full age. I have uh, some characteristics of babies. This is one of the things I, I don't think it's in yours. It's in mine. If you want to write it in, you can. I just Did I put it all in there? It survived. Oh, I thought that was one of the things I had to cut. Babes, they're helpless. They need a maximum amount of attention from other people. No solid food. They lack ability to discern value. They are just as happy with a baby rattle as they are with a diamond ring. But they have no way to assess the value of anything that you give them. So they never treat anything well. Because they don't understand the value of it. So no matter what you put in the hands of a babe, they could fling it across the road. By being a grandfather, so glad I have a Motorola phone. They can fling my phone across the room. They will not break my phone. Glory to God. Might break your phone, won't break mine. It's tough. It's ready. So I can give him my phone. I don't care how you're, what you're thinking about this thing, you're not breaking it. Not everybody in my household. In fact, I'm the only one in my household who can say that. My wife can too. She has a Motorola phone. <laughs> Because they can't turn, discern the value. You don't give them your diamond rings because they're just going to drop it somewhere, put it down somewhere when they're done playing with it. They have no value. Same thing with, with Christians who are babes. You can give them the greatest truth in the, word, or in the world. And what do they do with it? Oh, that's nice. They, they can't discern the value of the thing. They lack the ability to discern value. They use emotion to get their way. They express displeasure to get attention or food. Right? What do the babies do? What do the, what do the babies do when, they, uh, when, they want hungry, when they're hungry and they want food? Cry. What do they do when they want attention? They cry. Throw themselves on the floor. Make a scene. I want something. I'm not getting it. They express displeasure. They get attention to food. Since they can't form words, they use emotion. And they demand constant attention. I mean, if that baby gets loose for five minutes, where'd he go? Where, where'd she go? Where are they doing? Are they up the steps? Are they, are they, they need constant attention. You always got to keep watching over them. If they don't get attention, they raise a fuss. What do baby Christians do? They don't get constant attention. They raise a fuss. Nobody called me. Nobody visited me. Nobody said hello to me. Nobody did this for me. What should they be doing? Calling people. <laughs> Visiting people. Saying hello to people. But they're a babe. I like this one. They require entertainment. You can't just talk to a baby. 
You've got to have the hands moving. You've got to have the faces going. You've got to do the different types of voices. If you're holding them, you've got to throw them up in the air. You've got to drop them. They need to be entertained. They need to be entertained. That's the thing we've got going on there. So, are we operating under law instead of the Spirit? We're supposed to be operating under the Spirit of God. But too many Christians were operating under our law. We're operating under things that keep us immature. We're operating under things that keep us held back. See, there's some things that we Christians ought to be standing up for, some burdens that we ought to be taking care of ourselves instead of going around trying to call everybody. Let's get the prayer train involved. Because I'm not learning how to do it. I put this one, and this is not in your outline. It's in these, these were in mine. I said I didn't have any room. <laughs> but are we operating? Are we, get, are, are we obtaining the victory through a place of rest or a place of work? Are you getting healed because, well, I'm having the right confession. I'm reading over all the verses. I'm doing a study on. I'm doing whatever it might be. I'm, I'm working for the thing. Instead of just sitting back and saying, glory to God, God took care of this thing. Instead of walking in the victory that He's already done, I'm, I'm walking in my, my life like I'm trying to attain it. I'm under the wrong priest. I'm in a lifestyle of, of law instead of a lifestyle of the Spirit. And it's holding me back. And because it's holding me back, I am asking other people to give me attention that they don't need to be giving me Unless I'm a babe. But I don't see myself as a babe. I see myself as mature. But I'm acting like a babe. And I can't see that I'm a babe. Basically, folks, we have become dull of hearing. We're not sharp. And then the enemy comes in and he starts making accusation. Well, brother, sister, so-and-so should have done this for you. How come they didn't offer to... We're holding ourselves back. I'm making myself not ready for more meat. I'm making myself ready, needing, not just ready for, <clears throat> but needing milk. I don't just want milk. I need it. I may like milk, especially with a stack of Oreo cookies. But they, that's what they need. I turned down Oreo cookies the other day because we had no milk. There was no reason to be eating Oreo cookies without a nice tall glass of cold milk right next to it. And I'm not a dipper. You all can dip all you want to. I treat it like I do the rest of my food. Eat the cookie, drink the milk. You do yours the way you want to. But I can like milk. I can enjoy milk. But I don't need it. But there are Christians out there, they need milk and they're trying to feed themselves solid food. They're trying to treat themselves as a mature one, but they're acting immature. They're acting like a baby. I need everybody else to do this for me. How come nobody else has helped me out through this? I'm under the wrong priest. And what the writer here in Hebrews is telling you is that Jesus is the new high priest in town. He's taking it over. He doesn't die. He doesn't get wore out by the job. He stays right in there. 
And He's going to be able to take you to a place of perfection because He's already been there. And it's outside of Levitical priesthood. It's of a different order. He's going to get into what that order is down the road here. But this is the priest that we're under. So what priesthood are we under? Am I content being under a priesthood? It's like Aaron under law. Or do I want something different? Do I want to get to a place where instead of asking everybody else, I need prayer, I need prayer, I need prayer, I learn how to pray myself. There are some things that we need other people to pray for and some things we don't. We'll we'll get it, I'm pretty sure. I mean, this is one of the purposes I, I set out for Sunday morning, the series that we're in. I am pretty sure that we're going to be able to get to this this spot eventually. But what kind of things in the Word of God did Paul, did Peter, did Jesus, did others ask others to pray for? And compare that to what we're doing today. We're asking people to pray for all kinds of stuff that I never saw anybody in the Word of God ask for other people to pray for. So we're going to get into that. That's one of those things to come. But see, we're, 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 under, we're under a high priest, folks, who's under a new order. Don't make them live under the old order. Don't make it operate like that. And that's what Hebrews is, is talking about here. This is what he's getting into. We've got a new high priest in town. And he's of a new order. Everything you knew about the old order is gone. It ended. We've got a new order now. And in that new order... We need to walk according to it. And he says, it's like Melchizedek, like it was with Melchizedek, which was before the law. We're going to get into eventually what Melchizedek was like. I can't wait for that one. That'd probably take us just five weeks just to get through that. <laughs> just to get through Melchizedek. We look forward to, to that one. Father, we thank you that we have a new high priest in town superior to any high priest who's ever walked on the face of this earth before. Not subject to death, not subject to anything, but he has been through the temptations we've been through, but he didn't sin. And he can coach us, he can help us, that we can overcome. I thank you, Father, for such a great high priest who's walked this life, been a human being, and sits at the right hand of God. And delivers a high priest ministry, not of the order of Aaron, but of the order of Melchizedek. Something different. And we need to walk according to that as well. Help us, Father, to not be dull of hearing, but to hear what it is that you say and make adjustments. We don't want to be babes. We want to be mature ones. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.